invite a good friend of mine up, Preston Myers, to come. Preston and I lead a men's group on Thursday night, and he's a good friend, and he's going to share a little bit about how he found peace in his life. Morning, church. Um, It's an honor to be standing in front of you today for lots of reasons. Um, Kevin asked me to talk about peace. Um, I talk about peace a lot because I feel like my life's been filled with just the opposite. And uh, so I just want to share my story with you. Um, I was raised in a small LDS town, and... uh, I was kind of forced into religion, and I, I just never felt like it was right. So, and I, I really believe in my heart that, that God gave me a rebellious heart, that he gave me a hardened heart so that I would find Jesus eventually. Um, <laughs> so I was about 14, and I, I basically told my parents, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm done. Like, that's it. I, I, will, I will scoop horse corrals. I will dig holes, whatever I have to do, I'm, I'm not going to church anymore. So that was kind of my, my tipping point, and, and I just had a, a deep yearning for peace. I wanted to know what was true, and I wanted to know what was real in life. And so typically what a 14-year-old or 15-year-old would do, went out and tried to find that in the world. Well, that led me to a lot of stupid things, like getting in trouble with the law, uh, drug use, um, playing around with girls when I shouldn't have. And, uh, and man, it just it made me more hateful and filled with more pain and I just kept trying to find it and find it and find it and I never really found peace. Um, I got a little bit older. Um, I, I moved to Salt Lake because I was in trouble with the law. I moved in with my sister. I got clean which was probably the best first step for me and uh, I, I met the love of my life. I had two beautiful kids but still I did not have peace. I had a really great job. I'd gone to tech school. I was making way more money than I ever thought of, but I just, like, in my heart was just full of pain and bitterness. And my wife was raised a Southern Baptist, and she constantly bugged me to go to church. And I'm just like, nope, not having anything to do with it. You know, church to me and peace is on the top of a mountain, strapped into my snowboard, or riding my skateboard alone with music in my headphones. Like, that was, that was peace to me. Um, and it just happened to, that a, a member of this body who was uh, an older gentleman that kind of just bounced from church to church for the potlucks just happened to say, hey, you should check this church out. And so, I, and I just, it, somewhere inside of me, I just said, okay, I'll do it. And my wife just about passed out. Um, <laughs> but I, I walked in, I walked in those doors to Holiday Baptist Church um, about 15 years ago, well, 16 years ago now. And I was blown away. I'd never heard that the gospel was that simple. I never heard that Christ died for me. And that's all I had to do is believe and trust in him. There wasn't a checklist of things that I could fail doing that would cause me more pain. And so um, I decided to follow that path and find out who God was. And, you know, it took me 10 plus years to get there. And, And what gives me peace now is is getting to know God and having that relationship and building that relationship over time constantly and constantly and and coming to know a God that is is holy like we just sang and that loves us and that is good and sovereign and that can do anything he wants to do but what he did was he came in the body and flesh died on the cross for us that brings me peace um try not to cry um <laughs> but um if you're looking for peace, if you need peace, that's where you're going to find it. I hope you trust 
in my story, but that's where I find it. And I, my peace is renewed through service in this body, through hanging out with men that are broken and hanging out with kids that need someone to put their arm around them and just tell them that you love them and that God loves them and that they need Jesus. Thank you, Preston. Awesome. Yeah, so this morning our sermon is on peace. We're in an Advent series. We're going to do peace, joy, hope, and love over the next four weeks. It should be a great series together as we move toward the celebration of Christmas. So I invite you this morning to turn to Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. And this is a little section that talks to us through the people of Israel as they were longing for peace and hoping for a day of a coming Messiah, and uh, that is our hope and our peace. He has come. We're going to look at this through the eyes of the Old Testament a bit this morning before we talk about uh, our, our present day. So let me read Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 13. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow from both shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. For I have bent Judah as my bow, and I have made Ephraim its arrow. And I will stir up your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and wield you like a warrior's sword. May God add his blessing to his word this morning. Let's ask God's guidance as we listen to his word. Father, thank you that you give us your word. Thank you that it is holy and it is true. It's perfect. Purified is seven times over, Lord. It's from you. And so give us ears to hear now this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see in this text the uh, Israelites longing for peace. Uh, it was an interesting time in Israel's history when Zechariah wrote they had actually returned from exile. Uh, the worst in many ways was over. They had made their way back to the promised land. They were in Jerusalem. And the situation had some hope about it, but the circumstances had become kind of discouraging in Jerusalem. Because the temple was partially rebuilt, but it was stalled out. And their hope would be to have worship again in the temple. And Jerusalem was being rebuilt, but it was a long, painful journey, and it was still uh, ransacked in many, many places. And the task of rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem were getting long, and the progress was slow. The taxes were high because the current ruler, King Darius, was anticipating a war with Egypt, and so the people were taxed heavily. And so even though they saw progress and they were back in Jerusalem... It was a time of difficult circumstances. And, and maybe you've seen that in your own life where you see progress, and yet the wearing nature of life just takes its toll, maybe in your finances or your health 
or your relationships that are important to you. It's so easy to be and feel this way. We long for something better inside. We're disturbed by what's around us. And the Bible says here that there is a king that is coming. And he will be riding on a donkey. That that had to be just shocking words to the Jewish people. Your king will be coming, but he's going to be riding on a donkey? And it says he will rule from sea to sea. All the confusion that must have said. But but the writer is saying this is what will bring us peace. He will bring peace. And I think in their mind they at least had that he would come and Bring a sovereign state for the Jewish people that would be safe where they could worship. But it seemed so far off in light of their present circumstances. And I I think that's true for us. Um, We long for peace. We long for rest inside. And yet our circumstances cause us to make it seem elusive to us. Maybe our, our job is difficult or the tests we have to take this week as college students and the pressure is on and will I, will I survive and get through? We turn on the news in the morning and, and 14,000 jobs at GM are gone and on their way out and the politics seem as ridiculous as ever. In fact, that's why they sell, I think, antidepressants <laughs> during the news, you know, and in the mornings because after watching the news you need them, you know. Or at the holiday period, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. It seems so difficult to get along. Families gather by obligation at least some of the time, and the tension seems palpable between people. The problems we've had with our family continue for decade after decade, and we wonder if there ever will be healing. We can also come to church and kind of look across, you know, the pews and the aisles and see people in the church that we aren't getting along with and we long for peace. I sometimes want to say with Paul, just just like Philippians 4 2, Euodia and Syntyche, just get along. Please, just get along. <laughs> right? Don't just feel like it can't be that complicated. As families, as colleagues at work, as people in a building, it just it can't be that difficult. And yet so many of us live just stressed and anxious and fearful and worried lives. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, a great musician in uh, the last 50 years, um, wrote in a recent interview that he says all of us try to construct an identity that will give us peace. We try to do things that help us feel comfortable in our own skin. And he goes on and he says, but the baggage of my life just gets heavier and heavier and heavier as I get older. I can't seem to escape. And that's why the words that Tina read this morning are so very profound and important. And it's what Zechariah points the people of Israel to in their present circumstances of a partially built uh, temple and a partially built city and wondering if God will come through and give them a sovereign state. Augustine writes this, you have made us for yourself, God, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. That's where rest is. It's not in our circumstances. Peace is not dependent upon our circumstances. Peace is found in a relationship with God. 
It's called a covenant relationship here in verse 11. A blood of my covenant. You'll find peace because of your relationship within a blood of my covenant. Covenant is a deep relationship that's both personal and very legal. Both. That there's a God who loves us and reaches down to us and cares about us. His heart beats for us. And yet he's a God who makes promises that when we respond to them and believe in them, they're binding. He's a God that will keep them. So he loves us and he can do something about it. And he does. And so the key to rest in our hearts is trusting and relying on this God and his good character. Isaiah 26.3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God speaks and what he says he will do. I know in my own heart that when I have really lacked peace, there have been days when I've really lacked peace. It was because I was believing a lie about God. And when I got that straightened out, and who God is, and that his promises are true, and they're true for me, my heart could find rest again. His promises are great. They're even great in this text this morning. He says, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. See, they'd just been in exile. They'd just been in slavery and God says, I will set you free from your slavery. And he says that to us today. Whatever enslaves us today, whether it's our perfectionism or our need for approval or our medicating of our pain through food and alcohol and porn or whatever it is, God says, I can set you free from that slavery. He means that to us. Furthermore, he says, return to me. Verse 12, O prisoners of hope, today I declare that I will restore to you double. <laughs> right? So God takes, a little bit like Preston was saying, God takes us through the pit so that when we turn back to him, we're restored double. We went through it so that we'd be blessed even more. Isn't that amazing? It's, right? I mean, people that don't have faith, so that's just kind of pie-in-the-sky religion. Right? A God that will make things way better for you. Right? And I think when it starts to feel almost impossible, that's when we're close to understanding the gospel. When it seems too good to be true, now we're really close to understanding it because it is too good to be true, but it is true. That he will redeem us and he will redeem even all our broken places so that we have a double blessing because we went through it. And so this verse says that this peace will come. This is where the whole text turns on this. This peace will come through a king who rides on a donkey. And the New Testament writers grabbed a hold of that verse as Jesus entered Jerusalem and said, that is the king. Jesus is the one riding on a donkey. Prophesied hundreds of years before. Believe in him. He's the one that will deliver us. He's the deliverer. In fact, John 5.39 says, speaking of the Pharisees in the day, he said, you search the scriptures, Jesus writes, because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. 
Yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. Jesus said, all the scripture is about me. The Old Testament is pointed to me, and the New Testament testifies of me. And if you miss that, you miss the whole thing, that this king riding on a donkey was and is the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's our hope. So, so let me just talk in our last few minutes here about how we can have peace with God through the person of Jesus. Romans 5.1 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, right? The Bible tells us we are born enemies. We are born warring against God. We are born rebellious. That's not a place of peace. That's a place of war in our souls. We've all felt it. And yet Romans 5.1 says that when we turn to Jesus by faith and surrender ourselves to him as Lord and Savior of our lives, then we have peace inside and we are reconciled. We are given a relationship with God through Jesus. And Jesus wrote, that peace may not extend to your family. In fact, you might actually set up now tension with your family, he says in Matthew 10, because of your faith in me. But you will have peace inside. And it's not a plastic peace that's on the outside where things just kind of for the moment are sort of stable, right? Like the prophets in Jeremiah 6.14 said, peace, peace. <laughs> but there is no peace, really, right? I was, I was talking to a friend yesterday about World War I and how there was a settlement at the end of World War I and a peace treaty signed at Versailles, but there wasn't really peace in the hearts of people, especially in the hearts of the Germans, right? They feel like they were treated harshly and oppressed. They called it peace, but it wasn't, and it led not long to World War II, but when we give our lives to Jesus, there's a really a settled peace. That's why he calls himself the bread of life, that suddenly that hunger inside of us that we, we have for satisfaction and purpose and meaning is met. Our restless hearts now are at rest. He becomes our greatest treasure, and the hunger of our soul is satisfied, and we are given peace because we're restored to a God who loves us and now he is for us justification means we're declared not guilty plus we're given the righteousness of Christ so that God looks on us with complete delight regardless of our brokenness it's by faith it's it it's grace right we never no longer have to run around just longing and dissatisfied and and, and fearful, like, do I, ha do I have everything in order so that things will break my way? We don't have to fear that. I was just at my kid's house in, down in Arizona, and we brought our dog down there, and they have two cats in the house. And so uh, bring little nutmeg into the house, right? And uh, nutmeg wouldn't harm a flea, couldn't harm a flea. A little pug, you know. And uh, <laughs> it reminded me of this verse, because the cats start to flee. Right? They, they run for, the co like for cover from like little nutmeg. Like, pull back the curtain. This is only nutmeg, right? But it says the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. See, that's a strength and a peace. And we know in this story, and probably in reality, cats are wicked, right? And they had to flee. 
I just offended half the congregation, right? <laughs> so peace comes through a deep trust in Jesus that fills our hearts with him. Another practical way that we can experience peace through Jesus is to come boldly to the Father in prayer through him. And um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, don't be anxious about anything, right? Don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, who has the strength and the wisdom and the ability to ultimately help you, right? To take your worries away. Right? Who can do this? God can. And he says, when <laughs> you come, pray in Jesus' name. You're accepted. I am a good father. I want to give you good gifts. You're now my child in Jesus. So come and give your cares to me. Cast your cares on me, it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, because I care for you. He's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his children. So don't carry your burdens. Unload them. Give them to God. Be in peace. It's why I write down every morning the things that are on my heart that are troubling me. And I have plenty of them too, just like you do. And I write them down and I close that book and I set it on the table and I say, God, those are yours now for the day. And I go off in peace. I do this every day. There's a third way, and that is to... Do his will. This we can do, even, even when, right, even though we're in this unsettled world and even things are they're difficult, nothing keeps us from obeying. Listen, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, come to me, all you who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How do we find rest? By taking his yoke. That means it's a yoke of obedience. It's just walking in his way. Saying, okay, God, I surrender to you. You're smarter than me. You're wiser than me. I will obey you. And the Bible says when you take his yoke on you, it's gentle and it gives you rest for your souls. There's rest in obedience. The Bible says godliness with contentment is, is great gain. Let's be godly people. And, and when we are disobeying God, our souls are fearful, aren't they? Isn't that the way it is, right? If, if, you're, if you're lying to somebody, now you've got to be figuring out how you're going to sort of unlie that, right? You've got to figure out how you're going to do all of that to not get caught. And then you add another lie, another lie, and the layers get thicker and thicker. If you're stealing and you're afraid you're going to be caught... If you're cheating on your spouse, then you're like, oh no, how am I going to get caught, right? It's just, at least, disobedience is unsettling to our hearts. It was many, many years ago now, um, a man came to our church and, and he was um, very unsettled, very unpeaceful, right? And, and was looking for help and I, we weren't um, seeming to be able to help him. And, and one of the other staff and myself just said, well, let's just get in the car and take a little drive around and see if we can kind of comfort this guy. And, and we got in the car, and the first time he saw a police car, he dropped down in the back seat and started to hide. <laughs> this is no joke. So, you know, probably smarter people would have had it figured out by then, but we, my friend and I, we were, we were going, well, what are we going to do next? So we took him to a restaurant to have lunch, and we were eating lunch around the table, and a policeman walked in, and he drops down in the, uh, right there at the table, like hiding down on the, uh, right? 
Well, come to find out, he was stealing, and the police were after him. Yeah, he was unsafe. He was not peaceful because he was not obedient to God. Right? And so, he's doing his will helps. Band, you can come on up. <coughs> and so Jesus says in Matthew six twenty-five to thirty. Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about everything, anything. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The antidote to being anxious about things is to seek God and his kingdom first. Seek him. Rest in his strong kingship, right? There's a kingdom and there's a king, and his name is Jesus. And we rest in his strong kingship. He's in charge. He's good. He cares more about you than you care about yourself. He cares more about your problems than you care about them. And he knows them way better. He knows how to get out of them. And he's unstoppable. He carries the day. So rest in his strong Lordship and kingship in your life. Care about the kingdom first. Right? We were made to enjoy God. And so make your primary pursuit to enjoy God, not the things of earth. And by the way, there's way more pleasure in that for your soul, right? Make it your aim not to seek first man's approval, but God's approval. Seek Him first. made primarily for this earthly life though we get to enjoy it but you're made primarily for a life to come in the next billion years 99.999999% of them will be lived in an eternity with Jesus this is a brief little temporary period live for that right? live first for the kingdom build resources in heaven and rewards in heaven seek God it says seek God which means we're still going after more of Him, right? Seek Him first. The beautiful thing about God is there's always more to be had. There's always more to be known. There's always more to be understood. There always is more love available for us. It's always there, so seek Him. Everything else has an ending point. You get so far with money, and pretty soon it loses its interest. It's so far with power, eventually it runs out of satisfaction. Seeking approval of people only goes so far but when you get God and taste Him and go after more of Him, there's always more to be had in deeper and richer and more satisfying ways for our soul. And so this morning as we've thought about finding peace, it's peace and longing. So we, we, <laughs> we're not there yet, right? If you feel in your heart a little dissatisfied today, that's because you're not there yet, <laughs> Right? coming. The day's coming. Jesus will return. We sang it. Then your heart will be completely and fully satisfied. But in the meantime, we, we seek Him and we seek Him first. First, we trust Him as Savior, like we've said. Second of all, we pray and call out to Him and have Him give us the resources to continue to walk. Third, we obey Him. And then we seek His kingdom first. And 
then we let this world be less than satisfying. I love the words of C.S. Lewis. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And so even in our longing, we seek God and look forward to a day when we will see him face to face. So my question this morning for you is, is do you have peace? Even though your circumstances are less than ideal and your life might be pretty, pretty messy, most of us are, are you peaceful because you know God? You're trusting in Him and you're giving Him your burdens. And you're obeying Him and walking in His way and anticipating the blessing of that. Do you have peace? Do you have peace with God? Let's pray. Let's just take a moment now here quietly before Father of heaven and just search our hearts. Are we at rest with him? Maybe we need to do business with him this morning. Ask him to forgive you if you've been disobedient. trusted him as Savior, say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I accept you as my Savior. I give my life to you. If you have burdens with the family, just give them to him right now. Say, God, you care more about these people than I do. This is really hard. Father, I just give it to you. You say, cast your cares on me because I care for you. comfortable please stand in prayer with us as we sing